Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Sports Fixins Podcast. We are one off of 50. We were on 49. There should be 50, but I had a boo-boo. A couple, I mean, we've had a couple of boo-boos on recordings, but oh well. Yeah. Um, 49 here, Justin Minkley and Michael Dine, no Andre Larson today. Will he ever be back? I think it's a great question. In time, I think he will be. On today's show, NFL, NHL, uh, MLB, and uh, maybe a modicum of NBA if we have time. Um, MLB has moved the All-Star game. Justin and I's thoughts on that. Plus, the Cubs and Sox debuts for the season. Plus, two or one team, two teams affected because of, you know, series. Um COVID has already postponed a series and, in fact, postponed an opening day game. Good job, MLB. You didn't make it out of the damn first day (laughs) without COVID. We will chit-chat about what happened there. Uh, Minkley has more stuff on the Deshaun Watson things, and we have NFL stuff, and the Bears continue to make me want to push needles into my eyes and jump off a bridge. We'll talk about why and what bridge I may select when we get to the NFL in a few minutes. But we start with Mr. Makeley and the NHL. Yeah, so this is probably going to take about five minutes It's as it's 326 here right now. So quick analysis. It is obviously the 2nd of April. As I said before, I'm going to give updates at the first of the month, especially right before playoff season and everything. Washington, New York, and Pittsburgh are tied with 50 points uh, and in first place tie between those three teams. As Boston is behind, it looks like the two teams that have been eliminated from playoff contention basically are going to be the Buffalo Sabres and the Ottawa Senators. So that narrows the playing field down to 29. Minkley, how do you feel about this? I'm not surprised. Everyone had Ottawa in last. Uh, They've been a lot more competitive and better this year than a a lot of people gave them credit for uh, heading into the season. And I think there's a lot to build on, but this is not a playoff team, that's for sure. Uh, Colorado and Vegas are tied in first or for first place in the West at 50 points each. Minnesota is four points behind them. And then you have St. Louis, Arizona, Los Angeles, and now San Jose mixed in with 34 to 38 points each. The North is basically a four-team race at this point. Wouldn't be surprised if these standings between Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Montreal stand. And the Central is a first-place tie by both Florida teams, Tampa Bay and Florida at 52, Carolina's at 51. And your fourth-place team is going to be either Dallas, Columbus, Chicago, or Nashville, as they are 39 points each or below. But... Everyone else is kind of in the mix right now. I think outside of Ottawa and Buffalo, where it's going to take a a huge effort for both teams to really get back into the conversation at most, and out of last place at least, um, everyone's stuck pretty close together throughout most of the year. In fact, you could kind of say uh, with the minimum number of games played at 33 out of 56 right now, a lot of these divisions or playoff races may not come down until the last week. 
which is good, and it makes things exciting, which draws your fans with the NHL needs. You know, Minkley, I will say, um, the them Florida teams being good is a great thing because you'd think you think about it, and this year them Florida Panthers teams will bring in just as many fans as they would in normal season if they were good. So, you know, good good for Florida. Now their attendance will actually match with everybody else instead of being drastically below any other playoff team. Well, I had written about this in my recent blog post, and I think Joel Quenville was doing the same process he did with the Blackhawks. And first year, pretty good, higher expectations than people expected. Uh, second year, probably you're going to have a good playoff run. And those were the first two years, as they had in Chicago. Now, what do we know that happened to the Blackhawks after? Conference finals run, won the championship those next two years. We could see the same thing with Florida. Um, but here's something else. You know, we make fun of Florida for not having fans. It, part of it's been the ownership that they've had, too. I didn't realize this until I looked up the franchise. They actually had a lot of people when they first opened up to the league for the first four or five years, and ownership uh, changed. And it's kind of, you know, been a joke since. So I'm really wondering if Florida Panther hockey gets really good and has a really great five years or seven, six or seven with Joel Quenville. Uh, does that change the narrative and do more people want to get involved? We'll so, see. I mean, I think in any sport that was, you know, that's more of a joke as you know, I think in any sport you have, like, if you're good, you're going to draw people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and speaking of, was that it? Yeah, that was, uh, all I had to say before I do the segueing stuff. Um, I do want to segue, segue to a public service announcement. If you're a domestic terrorist who wants to attack the Capitol, don't. <laughs> you're not a revolutionary. You're not interesting. You're just a human piece of shit. Um, <laughs> if you don't know, a bunch of fucking yay who's attacked the Capitol again. Really? Yep. Oh, great. Mm, drove into it with a car. Great. Just great. Apparently they shot people before they were disposed of. I mean, that's a good thing. At least they were disposed of. Damn. Yep. Apparently there was a military helicopter on the Senate lawn to try and calm the scene down. Like, the military had to, like, assume control of the Capitol building for a little bit. Oh, Which is great. like never been done before, ever. Oh, Not like the military took it over, but like they called in the military to like get everything under control. That that's just great. Which is bad. Yeah, pretty bad. Pretty pretty damn bad. So as the country continues to fall to shit, um, speaking of conservative idiots. Uh, the state of Georgia and, ashamedly, many other American states decided that uh, Jim Crow is good and decided to attempt to roll back the times and actually reinstall, and I'm not fucking kidding, try and reinstall some old voter restriction laws. So that not as many people could vote. Yes, I'm serious. The country that brags about people voting tried to get people not is trying to write laws after they let people vote. 
Oh, yeah. They're trying to write laws so people don't vote, which is sadly not a joke. I mean, we're not Um, surprised by that. The MLB has said the state of Georgia is one of these states. The MLB was supposed to have the All-Star game in Atlanta. The MLB said, well, you restricted people from voting. Sorry, your All-Star game's gone. Uh, MLB announced today, in fact, an hour ago as we were recording this, no All-Star game in Atlanta this year. Yeah, um, I want to hear what she's thinking. The about. mayor of Atlanta, I've got a quote from the mayor of Atlanta I do want to read. If you, if you give me un minuto. Um, just as elections of consequences, so do the actions of those who are elected. Unfortunately, the removal of MLB All-Star Game from Georgia is likely the first of many to dominoes to fall until unnecessary barriers put in place to restrict access to the ballot box are removed. Jeez. So that is the mayor of Georgia. And here's the thing, Minkley. The mayor of Georgia? (laughs) Or the mayor of Atlanta, excuse me. Gotcha. Here's the thing that pisses me the fuck off. So you restrict voting. The Voting restriction is basically the best way to keep white supremacists in power because if the people who don't like white supremacy can't vote, then they can't, the people can't be changed. You have to change natural society at that point. And as we've seen, I think society is pretty much getting close to worthless. I mean, there are really not a lot of worthwhile... Like, there's Mr. Beast, the YouTuber um, who does incredible philanthropic work and actually helps people or... Like a Mark Rober who uses... Who I watch on YouTube, too. He uses engineering to do awesome stuff. There's some cool places around and some cool people. Those were just the two I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, okay. Um, okay. There's some cool people anymore, but most of society is now seems to just be a giant piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, you're not lying. <laughs> like the latest thing that cancer culture got was SpongeBob. Which is apparently all the cancel culture people watch all day because I don't know what the fuck else they could watch because everything's offensive. I mean, for fuck's sakes, these people went after the goddamn a goddamn Captain Underpants spinoff because an, a fucking Chinese guy taught Chinese culture and kung fu, which started in China. Yeah. A Chinese guy represented the Chinese, and they're mad about it. So, you want a white man represent teaching Kung Fu? Well, no, that's racist against Asians. So, you've got the dipshits, the two liberal dipshits, who <laughs> have no idea what they want. And then you have the radicals that don't, and then you have the radical people that don't want black people to vote or women to vote or minorities to vote. And they want all the Mexicans to die. And they're currently in more power than anybody else. And then, and I say in more power because the Democrats we have in office that are actually sane are fucking lazy. Either that or they're just too committed to doing shit by the book. I'll give Chuck Schumer credit because he's using budget reconciliation to say fuck you and your fucking nonsense. You guys won't 
you guys won't, you guys, you know, the Republic, the same Republicans that champion 9-11 that say, remember it forever, let the fund run out for 9-11 first responders. I'm sure you've seen the John Stewart thing before. No, oh, I have. Yes. Like they, they are so full of shit. The fact that anybody could think Bitch McConnell or any of these people are good for this country means you're... If you think that Bitch McConnell and that fucked up looking face is good for America, you're either a terrorist or just out of your mind. So, I mean, you're not the MLB to sticking for sticking up to the fuckwits. I don't think Rob Manfred does a lot of good things. I think in a baseball sense, Rob Banford is a fucking idiot. Yeah, and we've discussed in heavy detail why we believe he is. And he I, is still in baseball a fucking idiot, but this isn't a baseball thing. This is a moral thing. Yeah. So good for him. Good for you, Mr. Manfred. You have no idea about baseball, the game that you're commissioning, and what's wrong with it. <clears throat> you can't attract young people at all. Changing the pace of play isn't going to do it. Young people are, if they pay attention at all, are just annoyed with you that you think pace of play is the reason young people don't watch your game because you bought into the shorter attention span deal. And it's like like you kind of use it. It's kind of, it's not like a, oh, I have quicker access. I can watch things quicker time. It's, oh, everybody has a shorter attention span. Like, it's used as an insult. Like, what I have never understood, Justin, is there's this thing where, like, oh, today's generation has a shorter attention span. Yes. Which is like saying, I wash my clothes in a machine washer instead of with a fucking na- uh, with fucking washboard in my nun outfit. <laughs> or, not my nun outfit, my fucking pilgrim outfit. Now, does that mean I have no patience? Or does that mean I have a better way of doing shit? Uh, I would say the latter. Okay. So if you can sit down for four hours and watch a baseball game, or you can wait three hours, or you can do things in those four hours, and then come back and see everything you actually needed to see from that baseball game. Like if you're a casual baseball fan, right? What's wrong with that? Or like an NBA game. Yeah. I'll well, see highlights on YouTube. You can see damn near every bucket from that game. From any game. Yeah. So, why, why? I mean, I want to because I think it's fun. But if you're just a casual NBA fan and you don't feel like sitting there, why not just get up the next morning and watch House of Highlights? When you can watch every NBA bucket in 10 minutes. Like, that's how, like, I can't watch a Bulls game because I went to work. I watch House of Highlights. That, that's like, how I that want works, to, yeah. I want to see a broader audience, and I want to broaden my basketball horizons, which I can't do with television. I can't watch the Kings and Timberwolves on TV. But I, I can mean, go to House of Highlights and see Deer and Fox breaking the guy down. Yeah. And it's local commentary. So... You can hear, you know, oh, and then when Shake Milton drops in that three, you can hear about the progress he's made. 
Yeah. Like, there's so many reasons why that's such a good thing, but it's addressed as, ooh, lack of attention. But anyway, uh, beyond my ranting. Um, good for you, MLB. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, bad for you might be pitching this year. Um, not a lot of guys on opening day went very far. And by very far, I mean, there were very few that made it out of the sixth inning. And to me, that's concerning because, you know, the worry in and the, the media pushed this ESPN pushed this like every media outlet pushed this. Um, and it, I believe it is legitimate. And it seems like teams are really buying into this and pushing this as well. There is this belief in baseball that there is going to be a big problem come, let's say, September, October, because um, guys are not like the 60 game season. The average pitcher would have started, what the hell, like 12 times or whatever. And this is not this is like thinking that you had a full schedule. You know, this is not yeah. even thinking about the COVID teams that like missed the start here and there and whatever. So you're asking guys to go from nothing to a full workload and there's going to be a lot of easing in and there's also going to be, I think, I mean, there's going to be a lot of injuries. Those are going to come in July. It may be nothing. It could be maybe no less, no, uh, no more. I should say serious injuries than normal, but I think there will be wear and tear things. Either that or. What I kind of somewhat deem as faux injuries, not fake, but false, where like this guy didn't pitch not because he's hurt, but because you're afraid of him getting hurt. So it's almost like he was injured anyway, if that makes any sense to you. Um, So I feel like there's going to be a lot of that going on where guys get get rest days that they normally would never have gotten. Um, due to the uh, the fright of the injury bug related to this uh, this lengthened season after a shortened one, but like Lucas Giolito last night threw like eighty five pitches or whatever, and yes, he did start to get touched off in the M third time through the order and all the analytical stuff that pointed to him coming out of the game. But still, Lucas Giolito is an AL Cy Young candidate this year, and he only made it through five and a third. Um, Clayton Kershaw did not make it very long. Garrett Cole of the Yankees, an incredible arm, uh, very talented, very good stamina. He only made it five and a third innings. Hyun Jin Ryu, one of the big gems of the free agent class. He went from, I think he was with the Yankees last year, went from the Yankees to the Blue Jays. He only made it five and a third innings yesterday. There's a lot of guys that only made it five and a third, five um, yesterday on opening day and it is kind of worrying because to me then you go from because like you know six innings of three run of three run balls quality start and that has kind of been like that or better or maybe seven and three like the average start is probably the average good starter start is somewhere around like six and a third now yeah well, now this year, you kind of wonder if that comes down. Basically, if it crosses in to the sixth, like instead of getting to the seventh, whether that's you get the three outs in the sixth and then your day is done, or you know you get 
to the seventh and getting out your days done. If you cross underneath of that sixth inning now, like the average starter goes back, and this will and and uh, because excuse me because teams are so concerned about saving bullets, this will be a problem because you'll be going from two or three relievers a game to three or four relievers a game. Yeah, even oh, with yeah. the three batter limit. So that will be a problem for later on in the year. Um, it could mean, and this is where the White Sox could have an advantage, uh, and I'll explain that in a second, but it could be a problem in the end, uh, towards the end rather, where you have an injury go down instead of using your top long man and your top closer. Now, or uh, your top middle guy, you know, sixth, seventh inning guy. Instead of using your six and seven guy for the seventh, using your eighth guy for the eighth and your ninth guy for the ninth, which is like your big, your big game kind of thing or your close game kind of deal. Yeah. If you cross under that sixth inning and that dude fouls off two pitches and you have a six pitch at bat, that first one. Now, all of a sudden, he can only get two out. Maybe he can only get two in the next inning. You cross into having to use an extra reliever territory. And this is just all my speculation. But we're going to see more relievers used. We're going to see more teams use more pitchers. And it's going to be because they want to be conservative with their starters. (laughs) Which is fine. But I think it's also a fair question to wonder if this actually winds up helping anybody in the end. Now, the people that I think that the shortened season to a long season may help is going to be your old guys. Um, the Lesters, the Ariettas, the Verlanders, the guys that have thrown a ton of innings for a long time. Or even your guys who have just thrown 150 innings a year forever like a Lance Lynn that the White Sox just signed. Yeah. You could see some older guys who get an extra year out of their careers because their arm got the rest and treatment it needed in over the course of a of a, of a season of not almost not pitching that they didn't get in you know the last some of them probably 30 years of their lives so, well, no, it'd be 20 years. Um, some of them 20 years of their lives. So I think it'll help the other guys. I think it hurts the younger guys, like a Michael Kopech who was hurt is uh, hurt in Charlotte um, early in the season in 2018, or in 2019, excuse me, sat out 2020 due to personal reasons and COVID. He's out of the bullpen, which is the right move for the Sox to make. Um, Crochet, not as much, even though he's a rookie, but I think most of you rookies, like, on the Sox, Andrew Vaughn, didn't hit at all last year because there was no minor leagues. So him, Jared Kelnick, your top rookies that you would normally see maybe have, because with a rookie like look at Luis Robert, hot starts, and then they kind of cool off when the league adjusts. Yeah. Well, now... And this is why I'm, I mean, they, I think they had to because Eloy got hurt and they think he's ready. 
But I think there's a lot of people that will be down, and I think Vaughn maybe should have been one of them, but the Sox decided different. A lot of guys that are going to be down, I think, to start this season that wouldn't otherwise be down, and it's, or they will be down for longer than just the whole salary m- manipulation deal would have kept them down. Because these guys, in their period where they may have some kind of edge uh, to get a jump start, again, like Luis Robert, and then yeah. pitchers adjust when they get tape and they fall off. Now that jump start period is also them getting unrusty. So the really good ones that could have that, oh, surprise, you don't know what I look like, <laughs> that could have that good surprise start, don't have that now because they're trying to shake off a season's worth of rust. So I think there's a lot of interesting dynamics. This will help some older guys and really hurt some younger dudes. And I think it just hurts hitters in general. Um, not even the young guys, just like not being able to see a hundred for a season. Well, the thing is, I don't know about about the hitters. I mean, if your pitching is, you know, going by the wayside, wouldn't it give hitters more? You could see more walks, but like, it's not that the velo is going to be down. It's going to be that they have, like, less control, maybe make some more mistakes. But the hitters aren't going to be used to seeing a good 100. So yeah. if the mistakes go up, then, yes, you're right. That would go to the hitters. But at the same time, you know, that maybe means that that really good fastball they couldn't see. They couldn't see this time because your eyes aren't adjusted to it. And again, I'm no baseball expert. I am just saying, you know. Oh, well, you're just, actually a pretty good baseball guy to talk about, so or talk with. So I think there there is validity here, but I agree with you on the overall pitching problem that there is going to be a lot um, of issues with this this upcoming year. And if you're having guys struggle already, get past six innings. I, I think part of it you could attribute to a lot of these guys are still trying to get back in full gear. Yeah. Because like you said, they, at least a 40-game increase is probably going to at least show some signs of easing a lot of guys back in. And that is valid. But and I it's also just off-spring training. Yeah. And it's the first start, so there's no big overreaction. But there was already – I'm saying all this because, again, there was already an expectation coming into this year that there might be something up, and now all of a sudden – Instead of Gio, because it was he got taken out with one on in a runner on first and second. Yep. And instead of a veteran manager letting his Cy Young candidate work that through, he went right to the bullpen. And you can't even play the matchup game anymore because there's the three batter minimum. Yeah. So it's not like you could say Gio the righty was facing a lefty no brought in another righty and Cody Hoyer so you just you just had to go to whatever fresh arm so yeah I think this is really interesting um and I think the over 162 games we're gonna see I think by game 100 whether this is real or not 
So it's going to take us months to realize whether, and I'm not saying uh, 162 is not a bad idea by any means. Don't get me wrong about that. But I'm saying whether these concerns are legitimate, we are not going to realize before game 100, or maybe we will never realize whether they were legitimate or not because your, you know, your big A starters will get start skipped and you will try and reduce their innings load and we will never know what would have happened had they had their full innings load. And I think that's a possibility too. Like, what would Kawhi Leonard's season look like if he played in every damn game? We have no idea. Yeah. No, that is a valid thing. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I think I think this will be an interesting baseball season. I'm upset the Sox lost the first time because a sure glove second baseman made one of the worst fucking throws you could possibly imagine at second base. Um, I'm upset that... Uh, Tony LaRusa has the worst fucking hitter I've ever seen in my life in the lineup. <laughs> I'm upset that he brought in a lefty against the Angels for no fucking reason um, when he could have brought in somebody much better for that situation and not blown that game. And, I mean, the Sox didn't look great. Yannis Grandal, I will still contend, sucks donkey dick. <laughs> not like, I don't mean that in a gay way. I mean like that in he sucks at baseball. Yeah, I know. But it's I just have a lot of people hear. disagree that Yadis Monte Grandal sucks. But personally, in the year that I have seen him, he sucks donkey dick. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's my piece on, uh, on, on, the, uh, on the whole, you know, training and, and season stuff. Yeah, I, I, thing, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I do agree that the, the whole pitching thing, that's going to come to a head. Like we're we're really going to see if uh, everyone's either you know warming up or you know if they're if this is just too much by the time May comes around late May I think I would say more like June because then you'll get past what you had last year but I know what you mean um, I think by late May is when you can see like oh my god like pitchers have like t- starters have like twelve less innings so like what the fuck. Um, uh, another thing from baseball, congrats, boys. You didn't even make it past the first day without Rona. Uh, the Nationals got coronavirus throughout the team. Their series with the Mets has been postponed. Oh, jeez. So, mark one team up on the COVID list. Um, other really fun stuff that has that is a thing. The Supreme Court is hearing... The case of the NCAA versus its athletes, basically, that the NCAA uh, or the athletes, sorry, should be able to make moonies. Which, I mean, the NCAA makes billions of dollars. Why can't the athletes get paid or get a sponsorship deal or whatever? Um, the Supreme Court is hearing that case. I think it's next week. So we will have to see what that does and whether Mark Emmerich and his band of assholes uh, wins a court case. Oh, the NCAA is built on amateurism and the fact that us with shiny white teeth make billions and billions of dollars while these college kids are in hunger. I mean amateurism. So once again, as I will say always, and by the way, I did enjoy March Madness this year. Not over yet. Got games tonight and tomorrow and Monday. 
have enjoyed the NCAA tournament, um, but NCAA, Mark Emmerich, fuck you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was that was quite a way of going into that. <laughs> yeah. So I just I just I just uh, wanted to as we were kind of transing between baseball and and the NBA and NFL what else whatever else we're gonna talk about today. As we were kind of transing around there, I just had to I just had to drop in that quick fuck you, um, and I hope you lose, and I hope you, you give up all your money and die. Wow, that's that's uh, that's pretty uh, hardball, you like? Fuck them. Yeah, we're not gonna see uh, Loyola or how about Oral Roberts making it as far as they did. Well, that was awesome. Uh, Minkley, what'd you say it was earlier before the show? Mm, about about what? Some people are Black Lives Matter. Some people are Blue Lives Matter. What'd you say it was? Oh, no lives matter. And damn straight. Yeah, that that basically summarizes Michael right there. <laughs> if I if I was to summarize Michael in these podcasts, it would be that. He just Why? doesn't care. <laughs> uh, but, um, so, do we want to make the transition to basketball here? Cause yeah, I think sure. There is, yeah, yeah, so basketball, I mean, we've had a lot of things go back and forth lately. Obviously, the trade deadline was a big thing. J.J. Redick uh, talked about how he wanted to be traded to the Nets and not the Mavs, so you can't trust Pelicans for an office. I don't know. Maybe the Pelicans just saw a better offer they liked. I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out. I think the two main things, Mike, that we have or to... maybe they're uh, just a shitty front office. <laughs> well, there's that, too. Um, but there, there have been two headlines. Number one is the Kevin Durant uh, Twitter debacle with Michael So Rapp. I just saw on my phone, and make you hang on, while we're explaining, you need to explain this first part that you said there's a couple of things here. You need to explain number one to me. Because I just saw on my phone, um, I think this was from Ms. Your Woj. Oh, no, it was just from ESPN. Kevin Durant docked by NBA for using offensive and derogatory language on social media. They fined him 50 grand. What the hell did he do? Oh, okay. So, you know, this is a, this has been a very controversial topic uh, because Michael Rappaport no one really likes. And it's been known that he's very controversial. He says a lot of stupid crap to stay relevant. Mm-hmm. Well, I, do, I haven't seen the pre-messages leading up to this, but he leaked okay. out a conversation where Kevin Durant went off on him <laughs> and called him everything, called him a cocksucker, uh, used a lot of homophobic slurs. Oh, boy. Yeah. And, and see, here's the thing. Like, I agree Michael Rappaport's a bitch. Doing but here's the thing. Michael Rappaport has no, like, he has no class. That man doesn't have a clean image. We know that. I think this is more damaging to KD because yeah. we've made jokes before and we've said that KD is a bit soft when it comes to not just the media, but to criticism. And there were a couple valid questions by Rappaport saying, you know, why didn't you speak up and say this in the media at the time? And KD is still mad. And I think to myself, looking at this, like this damaged KD's image 
more than it does Rappaport. One of the reasons being that I said before, Rappaport has no image. Um, well, that and screaming homophobic slurs doesn't get you fans. Yes, it does unless not. you're unless, unless you're in the South. Yeah, unless you're in the South for some reason. But this is this is one of those things where KD didn't play at all in the month of March. No, everyone was like, okay, well, he has a, either a leg or a hamstring injury. I can't remember where in the leg. Um, but he was supposed to be back, I think, after one or two weeks. And he did not play the whole month. So this is a bad – this is just bad <laughs> knowing that, well, he didn't play all month. Yeah, Kyrie Irving, who was out voluntarily. Yes, you added a couple good players uh, because they were bought out. But that's just not a good image. Bigger head case, Kyrie Irving or Dennis Rodman? You know, the funny thing is, I don't consider them to be that much of a head case. I think Kyrie's nuts. You know, I think Kyrie Irving is straight, straight cuckoo crazy. I'm trying to, if I was to actually compare you know, someone to say, who are they like cuckoo crazy right now? I have to give this some thought. Because I don't, I don't see, though, I don't see Kyrie as nuts. I see him as he has a lot of extracurriculars. But I wouldn't really say he's nuts. I think Kyrie's insane. Eh. I, I would say either Lou Williams or... James Harden are more distracted. Yeah, Harden too. I would say they're more problems than he is. What is it with all the NBA people and going crazy? I feel like that's going to be a very different conversation, but me and Wesley Woods covered this. It's like it's gotten very predictable. And it's like you need ways to keep people involved. Like, turns out Kevin Durant might be kind of weird, or I guess we already knew that, but like, Kevin Durant's kind of weird. Kyrie's insane. Um, James Harden kind of went crazy and got fat, and then like it's still like kind of weird. There's a lot of weird people in the NBA, I, and I don't see it stopping anytime soon. I mean, I don't either. And there's always many characters, but it's like. <sighs> Um, and it's not like AI where he was like a, just kind of a different character. They're just like actually like weird. But then again, everything's so public. Who knows? There may have been even more weirdos than, you know, earlier. But, um, but yeah, like you have flat earthers in the NBA. Isn't that weird? I, I got nothing. Oh, KD. So he calls and. Thankfully, none of this is stuff I can't say uh, on the air. Uh, he calls him a bitch, dickhead, told, told him Chuck was his baby daddy, dumbass, <laughs> you, a cunt, pasty cum-guzzling bitch. Holy, pale, what pale pasty what? cum-guzzling bitch. Oh my god. Wanted to beat his dirty ass up, pussy, <laughs> piece of shit. Get some sun, it's fucking with your brain. <laughs> you a bitch, all you do is cocksuck other men for attention. 
Your life is a joke. Your life is a joke, you fucking pale cocksucker. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck. Suck a dick. Can't wait to tell you in person. <laughs> you called your lawyer like the, the like pussy you are. Son. Oh my god. Your wife doesn't even respect your bitch ass. Oh my god. <laughs> your wife mad as fuck. Because you're wasting that little bit of money on the lawyers you because you can't take a joke. That's the stuff like we have in the DMs. There's nothing wrong. See, there goes wife into this. <laughs> what the hell? I mean, I will give I will get the only thing I'll give Rappaport credit for is saying, just do the fucking interview. And if you're upset about something they've said, please say something. Yeah. This is this is one of the many criticisms we have with Durant, where it's like you go back and forth with people on Twitter. But when it comes to the media and actually presenting valid questions or criticisms back, he's not really known to do that, at least within the past couple of years, especially especially with the Draymond Green situation or when we talked about some of the stuff that happened with the Warriors, with Steve Kerr, with management. It's been addressed on social media, but not really with the press. And I get that the press takes a lot of things out of context. But the lack of control he has online does not paint him in a good light. It doesn't bode well for him. Like, I have no problem with going off on people. I well, think so if you want to call him a cunt, if you want to call somebody a cunt, probably fine. I mean, like, like if, you got, if you're mad at somebody and you call him a cunt, I mean, like, whatever. It's like a swear word. Sure. I, so many racist comments in there. Yeah. And I don't care if you I don't say it understand. doesn't happen as much. It's still racism. Why would you say this to someone who is... I, and I know he does podcasts and whatnot, but you're talking about someone who is in the broadcasting business. Why and would you what? say, like, this kind of crap? Why would, why would you think that, like... Read me the one that I had to read twice. Something about a peach cumga or pink cumga. What what was it? Yeah, let me pull this back up. <laughs> Pale something about cum guzzler. <laughs> yeah, that's the one we're gonna remember. You pale pasty cum guzzling bitch. <laughs> pale pasty cum guzzling bitch. <laughs> That's not, you're a cunt, fuck you, fuck your mom, I hate, you know, that's not like, he, I feel like you have to sit there and think of that. To call somebody a pale, pasty, cum-guzzling bitch. Like, I feel like you have to sit there and <laughs> kind of think of your insults. Like, what the fuck? Um, I mean, I got nothing. Why'd you bring him. his wife into this? Like, <laughs> you insulted him for being white a hundred times, but nobody's going to call the black guy racist. Um, why'd you bring his wife into it? What, the, <laughs> what, did, what did the poor... If you want to say, I don't know how your wife's with you because you're an asshole, okay. I don't know how your wife because you're a prick, but like... 
your wife doesn't respect like what? What what does the wife have to do with this? Like, and oh, I think the funny theory, thing is but I don't know how, you know. I mean the funny thing about this is like I'm actually looking at how many times Rappaport responded, and he only responded four times. <laughs> what so, let me ask you something though, because because okay. I I'm kind of split a little bit depending on you know what time it is. <laughs> Do you think Rappaport does the right thing? Because as we know in media, in posting it to Twitter, yeah, I mean a 100%. lot of hundred percent. Oh, oh, okay. Hundred percent. I mean, my thing would be, this is a major thing because how many times do we see KD actually go off on someone? Not much, and I get it. At the same time, it's like, who's more sensitive in this situation? Is it, is it Rappaport because you know, past a point, was he so mad he couldn't control himself posting this online, or? Is it KD for going off the way he did? Especially after... No, it's KD. I think posting it on Twitter is just showing the world what Durant is. And it's just like, you can spin that from a journalistic thing and just go, well, this is in my DMs, and um, it's on Twitter. And I think the world should see that you are an incredibly mean person and yeah. <laughs> personally fuck you so I'm gonna post this and I don't give a shit like that's like kind of like a personal fuck you thing KD saying all those things is different because it's like an actual attack this is not an attack posting it to me is not an attack on Kevin Durant it's just like an awareness thing like If you catch, like, if you are, if you're screwing somebody's wife and then you realize that they're a wife and you tell the other dude, hey, I've been banging your wife. She didn't tell me she was your wife. You're not attacking the woman or, you know, whichever way you want to go about it. Um, Whichever one of sex you want to play that off of. You're not attacking that person. You're just letting them know. I, I mean, setting out some facts here. So I, I mean, this is this. I feel he's just setting out some facts. I, I'm, I'm only gonna say this hurts Durant's image much more because Rappaport is just an ass and he doesn't have an image. And <laughs> even if he doesn't have an image, it's not like it's Photoshop. So it still, of course, does kill KD. Um, I think this will help Rappaport's image. He's like, oh no, I'm being attacked. So he can play that angle. Whatever report he doesn't have, get it, get it, rapport, and and wrap up port, spelled the same. Um, Anyway, I don't know that much. I just have Woj, and that's kind of my thing. So whatever rapport he does or doesn't have, I have no idea. All I know is he was in 2K, and I know the name. So that's that's kind of it for me. Um but uh, but yeah, I, I don't know much. But it, yeah, I don't, I don't think an NBA player should be attacking him. If he's um, a turd or not, that's fine. But I don't <laughs> feel like you should do that. <laughs> um, keeping on the NBA topic here, how about how about this for you? 
there is just so much going on with the Bulls. I don't know what they're doing or why this team is as bad as they are. Um, Mike, uh, I don't think they've won a game within the past two weeks. They haven't won a game since the Nico Vuce trade, and I thought that would make them better, but it seemingly made them worse. Um, and Wendell Carter sucks it. Now, Nico Vuce is not an all-team defender, but he's better than Wendell Carter. So I don't know whether it's the shot selection or whether people have been hurt because most of the Bulls games are at night and I have been working a bit more than usual lately. Um, I've had a couple of extra days in the last couple of weeks, so that narrows down my schedule even more for when I could catch the Bulls. Um, But yeah, there has been problems in in Bulls land. I'm starting to wonder. I've always figured they were going to sneak in. Because Billy Donovan will get a hold and they'd get better. And now with the Vucevic Tatum, like the Bulls might even be the seventh seed. And I'm starting to wonder, Minkley, if they're going to make the playoffs at all. Because they just do, they are not doing well. They're getting, it's not like they're just losing. They're losing by 15. Like the game after they traded for Nico Vuce, they were down by 30 at one point, And that was their biggest deficit since last year. Before, before COVID. So there was clearly some meshing problems. It could go away in a couple of weeks or it could stick around. I'm not saying the Nico Vuce deal turns out to be a bad deal just because of a bad week and a half. But you would think they would get better with adding Nico Vuce and Alpha Rica Mino and they've gotten worse and that's kind of weird because, you know, you, you think the exact opposite should happen. So when the polar opposite of what you think is going to happen happens... You're like, hmm, well, I wonder why. <laughs> so, yeah. I still and... give Bulls credit for making the move, even if it doesn't work. Because, again, you traded for an all-star, and we went over this last time, which is not something the Bulls have ever done in, in years and years and years, and something you never did with Foreman and Paxson in the last 15, 16 years, or whatever, 18 or whatever it was. Because, God, I can't keep track of years. It's getting harder as I get older. Um, I say that being 22, but I'm dead serious. Um, But anyway, in the whatever, however many years that was, you something you never did. So I still give them credit for the move, even if it don't work. But, yeah, man, that's, that's that's a strange one so far for the Bulls. I mean, I think part of it is you you get these all-stars and you get a couple of new pieces in, and it's just very hard to find ways for them to adapt. Like, how are you going to make that change-up mid-season with an all-star? That is that is just... I mean, there there are excuses or, you know, good reasons to be like, well... There are good reasons. And, you know, part of it, too, I think we talked on the last show about it, was the schedule that they have. Like, don't get me wrong. I think San Antonio is a beatable team for them. But you look at the end of March, right? They lose to Denver by four. They lose to Utah. They lose to um, Golden State with Steph Curry's return. And they lose to Phoenix. Now, in their defense, they made – 
that Phoenix game much better. Well, wait uh, a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, and they lost to Cleveland, too. That's I was going to say, was, let me sorry. paint you the whole picture. They're 19-27 and 27 right now. I'm going to go back to the game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. This was on... The 16th, I think? Where is the date? Where is the date? Where is the date? The 17th of March. They were 18-20 and 20 on the 17th of March. They just beat the Thunder. Okay. This is the Bulls since beating the Thunder at home. Home loss Spurs by seven. Uh, road loss Nuggets. Their last win, road win at Pistons. Then they lost at home versus the Jazz by 25. Lost at home versus the Cavs by nine. Lost on the road to the Spurs by 16. Lost on the road to the Warriors by 14. Lost on the road at the Suns by five. And now they have a, probably another loss on the road tonight at the Jazz in Utah. Yeah, they're probably going to lose that game. So the Bulls went from 18 and 20 to... In their last eight, they've only won one. Probably going to become their last nine. They've only won one tonight because they have Utah next on the second, which is a problem. By the way, um, they have had Vucevic since the San Antonio game. So they have had uh, Vucevic for, it's only been for three games. But he has led them in points and rebounds each time, and the Bulls have lost each time. They have Utah on uh, today, on Friday, um, as we're recording at 9 o'clock. They have Brooklyn on Sunday at home. Bulls are probably going to go wind up going through a stretch where they only win 1 of 10. Because if you've only won 1 of 8 up to this point, and your next two is Utah and Brooklyn, that... that, that one of last blank is probably going to get to 10. Um, and then afterwards you have Toronto, Atlanta, Minnesota, and Memphis or Indiana, Toronto, Atlanta, Minnesota, and Memphis all on the road. You have a circus trip. Um, and then you come back home for Orlando, Memphis, and Cleveland. So your schedule gets drastically easier after Sunday. The next two weeks of your schedule is so much easier, but in this stretch here, you needed to beat Cleveland. You needed to steal, I would say, if you're going to make the playoffs, you needed to steal two of, um, well, you did beat Detroit, which you should have. You needed to take one of the San Antonio games and probably needed to take a pair or maybe even just one would have made it look a little bit better. You probably needed to take a pair of either Utah game, a, the Brooklyn game, the Phoenix game, the Golden State game, and the Denver game. Of the really good ones, going 2-4 and four against those would have been a lot better than going 0-6, especially since you didn't beat the teams that you could compete with or should have beaten. So, yeah, the Bulls are in trouble right now. Well, I think this is – we're going to see how good – this team is and we're also going to see how much of the excuse of you know lack of team chemistry with Nikolai Vucevic is when they start that road trip against both the Raptors and the Hawks I think that's where we're going to see okay is it a coaching thing 
Is it, you know, players don't have that chemistry? I mean, look at the games that they have in April. They have at least, you know, looking at this, they got next week four, not, that's nine after 13. So, so they have 16 games between April 4th and April 30th. If there's not good team chemistry by, I want to say, Cleveland and Charlotte, this team's out. Yeah, and, and by the way, and make, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you people listening, what he means by chemistry is not that they like each other. He means like they work well together on the floor. Right, and, and acclimating or using players like Daniel Tays and Vucevic and some of these other guys that they brought in yeah, during the trade deadline. Nice. You know, they need to see if they don't have that together by the time they get to the 21st or 22nd, I don't see this team making the playoffs. It's one thing to say Detroit or Cleveland won't make the playoffs, but Chicago, we kind of both predicted, would be a dark horse playoff team, could possibly sneak in the 7th or 8th seed. And the fact that there's no LaMelo ball for the Charlotte Hornets and they're the 4th seed, I view the East as if you can't get in, you're a bad team. You suck. You suck if you can't get in this year. If you can't get into this Eastern, this is even, to me, Minkley, this year because of how badly Boston and Miami underperformed, this is worse than those LeBron Eastern conferences where you were like, all right, we got the Heat, we got the Pacers, we got, who's the one other good Eastern team for his tenure? Well, the early part would have been the Bulls, um, but like after, after Rose... You've got, like, like when the Sixers were bad, you had Indy, one other team. Um, oh, uh, Boston, Ky- uh, Kyrie Boston at the end. Like, beyond that, and it's, like, absolute garbage. I did not think we were going to be at that again for a very long time. We very suddenly got back to that. Out of nowhere. This year. We wound up back at, holy shit, the East is trash. Well, it's not just the East is trash. It's This is flaming hot garbage. <laughs> Sorry, burning trash. <clears throat> this is the dumpster on Napalm. It's that bad. To look at the standings, by the way, I mean, you only have five teams with the winning record in the East. Like that are leading, and New York and Atlanta are at five hundred at least. But I can't, I can't say, you know, Miami. I can't give them as much, you know, scorn as I can Boston because think of what they did in the finals. You know, they were completely gassed out. They didn't have the legs, and that carried over into the start of the regular season. I think getting guys like Victor Oladipo, and and that's why I said Oladipo was. Probably the big win at the trade deadline is short-term because that's what the Heat need. Um, they're, they're at least, you know, in the top five. They have a winning record. And they've had to really inch and claw their way back. Boston, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I don't I It possibly is coaching at this point, but this is not a team I feel confident in. Like, if, they, if they're slated to actually play Brooklyn in the first round, they're getting their ass beat. That's just how it is. 
I think the only other team I could say I'm disappointed in is probably Indiana. Because Indiana should be at least a, a fifth seed to me. I mean, we've seen them do pretty damn well without a star player in the past three years. And I think the coaching change was a part of it. Nate McMillan getting fired. But the Hawks are in the playoff race. You know, they're in the top eight. The Pacers are below the Celtics. And yeah, and the, like I said, the East looks very weird this year. And Boston being bad is not really what you expected. And make we brought this up before. Time to, is it? You know, we said it's the time to fire Brad Stevens and and Justin. You got the schedule in front of you. What's Boston's record right now? Well, Boston's record is twenty three and twenty five. They lost to Dallas, I believe, this past Wednesday night. Um. And now that we're going into the month of April now, they get Houston tonight. Okay, well, they'll probably win that one. Then next week is a challenge because they have Charlotte, Philadelphia, and New York within a four-day stretch. They get Minnesota. They have Denver, Portland, the Lakers, Golden State, the Bulls, Phoenix, Brooklyn, Charlotte, OKC, Charlotte, and San Antonio. That's their April schedule. I don't think they're going to get to 500 <laughs> with, with what we've seen. Which probably gets Brad Stevens fired. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming at this point he gets the axe. And I think it's possible, you know, you see this in hockey a bit more when they fire coaches like early in the season because they're trying to jumpstart a, uh, a chance in the playoffs. I think it's possible we really see Brad Stevens fired. Between either the Knicks game or the Golden State game. It's it's not I don't think it's that far off. So uh let's see. I think we're good on the NBA. Uh NFL stuff, Justin. Yeah, we have a handful of NFL things to talk about. And, you know, we were hilariously discussing the uh rant and the debacle that is Michael Rappaport versus Kevin Durant. And with good reasons, I mean, you take stuff to social media, you talk about the integrity of journalism and broadcasting. And Michael, um, I had messaged you this on Tuesday, I believe. Uh, the Deshaun Watson situation, and yes, this because this is ongoing, uh, with this show at least we will discuss a bit of, because it is important. So... The um, there is a twentieth person. The twentieth accuser has come out. Mm-hmm. Now the interesting thing is this person is not going to file suit. However, this person was interviewed by Sports Illustrated. Now, for anyone who uh, is familiar with Sports Illustrated, you know that writing and journalism is a very big part yeah. of their business. And so they take a lot of this seriously. And there are a lot of things in their recent article that they wrote on Deshaun Watson that stands out. And we'll get to some of the stuff afterwards because that too is very relevant. Um, and so I took, I took some screenshots of this article, Mike, which I will post up probably sometime soon. Um, the accusations, by the way, I think a lot of people forget are in three different States. It's not just in Houston. Um, 
the you have stuff in California, and I think you have stuff in Georgia too. So I'm going to read some of this, and I want to let I want to ask you afterwards. You know, what do you think about this? So I'm going to go. Um, so there was a point where she talked about the one thing I keep thinking about is he's about to get traded to another place. What if he goes to Atlanta or California? He would have a whole new community of massage therapists to target. That was something that I don't think has been brought up enough. Um, yes, there's the blanket denial. Maybe more than anything, the fact that he's denying all the allegations makes it more of a reason for us to use our voice and say what we have to say. Uh, then they talked about uh, her name was edited out and changed to Mary. So when Mary books clients, she requires them to fill out an intake form which stipulates that draping will be used during the session so that only the area being worked on will not be covered. Um, and there are laws about this in Texas, too, uh, that were adopted in February 2020. Since Watson's appointment was set up through a third party, Mary's understanding was that the other therapist would handle the paperwork though she can't say for certain whether Watson received or reviewed those rules. Um, Watson had reached out to both Mary and the referring therapist the day after his appointment, asking to book with her again. Mary says she told him via text that she was not available in the following months. She says she heard from Watson twice more via Instagram direct message. Each time he did not seem to realize that he'd previously booked with her. Sports Illustrated reviewed these messages sent from Watson's verified Instagram account as part of the process to corroborate Mary's account. Uh, the first follow-up was a few weeks later via direct message to the Instagram page for Mary's business, and Watson had said a mutual friend had told him to reach out booking uh, a massage. She had told him they had worked together before and he made her feel uncomfortable then. She had reservations, but recognizing that he could be an important client for a growing business, yada, yada, yada. We've talked about that before. Oh, he said, oh, gotcha, sorry, there were no intentions for anything more and did not book. The last time she heard from him was in fall of 2020. Uh, he replied to a post in which she'd made an announcement about her business and congratulating her, and then asked whether she had any availability for a massage. She was again unsure whether he realized who she was, so she screenshotted and sent the conversation they'd had on her business account, reiterating that she runs a professional business that requires full sheet draping, and if he could abide by those policies, he was welcome to book with her. She says he replied to her positively and liked one of her messages and did not book that time either. Um, part of it goes into, you know, be, it being a power move, but that was just one of the very interesting aspects of it, Mike, where we've had actual conversations that is not, you know, leaning to is has he done it, has he not? And the fact that they were able to pull up messages or receipts uh, what do you think of this for what I read to you? I think it's it's interesting because um, and and again, correct me if I did not follow this correctly. Um, he approached this woman about the whole massage deal multiple times. So he was clearly wanting something from this person. And I think there is a point that you made, Minkley, a while ago, is you have 
God, how many people around you that could that could offer a massage or yeah. an ice bath or whatever? Whether it was at Clemson or in Houston or wherever. Yeah. You know, you are a quarterback or any football player. So um, he was obviously, seems like he was kind of digging this person. Um, seems like she did her damnedest to, to take the right approach. Um, nothing, unless I missed a, a message or two, nothing seems, at least from that, especially the last interaction, nothing seems abhorrent here. He just kind of, seems kind of weirdly persistent Um, Unless I like, miss some messages or something. But he just seems kind of odd. Yeah, I mean, that was a good amount of what I read you. It's a very long article for anyone who wants to uh, read past or read the rest of it or the whole entire article. But there were a handful of things I found very interesting with this. You know, speaking of now even, um, when I think the two biggest things is yes, that uh, after the first booking that he replied and was as direct and they had the messages for that. This isn't he said, she said. This yeah. is an actual conversation that SI, uh, they went through and verified. And the other one to me, which is really interesting, is his agent. This is someone else doing the booking. And you don't really hear, you know, not a lot of people are going to touch on that, but I think it should be touched on because why does he have people looking? Which means there's like a ring and this is a whole thing and there's other people involved and it makes it so much more messy. Yeah. And you see, if you want to go by worst case situation, you can't say that. But it it just it's very weird because as we touched on, you know, the, you know, compare and contrast with like on field with Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson is probably going to look for these people himself. And we know with the business savvy that he has now, he's going to be very uh, open eyed. By the way. Yeah. Me. You know what else that says? That he has people skulking around for these women to give him massages? Uh, what does that tell you, Mike? That it is, and again, I don't know. It kind of feels like reading the tea leaves here. Um, not so sure the behavior just started. Now, because I have been since the outset of this, and there's women from Clemson days, it makes me very suspicious of Clemson, the team. Yeah, I am now more suspicious because if he had a little inner circle. Or and the, the again, this is the dynamic of college athletics uh, of major college athletics. If he had this little group around him, his agent, is, obviously, but like if he had people searching this stuff out for him in the pros, I don't think it's that far off that he would have had Clemson people do that for him. I'm not saying the president of the university, 
But I'm saying, like, I don't know if that's that far of a stretch. I don't know that for certain, of course. But I don't feel like that's that far of a stretch out. If he has that in the NFL, he might have that in a place where he's a huge, powerful figure. Which, again, leans back into my theory that something's going to come back Dabo Sweeney's way from all this. And come back to that football program's way from this. So that's just my thought. Yeah, and we had talked about this, I think, the past two weeks, too. I mean, the, the show that wound up not getting on, uh, sadly, because Discord was being an ass. Uh, we had talked about this in, in great detail, and I think it's great to bring this up again, where this, with the number of accusations building up, this is not a professional football problem. This is a Clemson problem, too, that was probably swept under the rug not just by uh, Dabo Sweeney, but even the, the head athletic people there. I mean, I mean, hell, we've had situations and, and read about things at Western where yep. there were people assaulted by football players there. That's not like a this, new thing. This happens in, in smaller D1 schools like Western and other colleges, just you know, wherever. So, of course, it happens in, in major places more than you ever hear about it. And it's just now when one comes out that I'll look at look at the Penn State thing. Yeah, that happened for thirty years, and it took one coming out to get them all, or maybe not even all. It took one person out to get a lot of people out because it does with serial assaulters. It seems, you know, that has been been very clear. Um, because of the mental strain on the victims. Um, like, I know somebody personally who is a victim of assault when they were, uh, sexual assault when they were a child. But um, they don't bring it up to that person or the family of that person or their own family because to them it, it doesn't affect them. And it's water on the bridge and don't really care anymore. It's just something bad that happened. You know, like they feel like it's not like something, you know, even though it's, it's, it's new enough to be within statute of limitations. Um, it's not, they, they feel like it's, it's, um, it's not worth pursuing. Yeah. Like it would cause more harm to the dynamic of the family than the good. And to the people that have to deal with this with a major athlete or a politician. We're not talking about the fabric of an athlete. We're talking about the fabric of society. We're talking about a town you live. You know, like if if the person I'm speaking of is concerned that her family members, you know, won't believe her. And it would do no good, and she would either just get put through the ringer, um, or like there would be, you know, huge strain in the family. Then somebody like these poor women that get impacted by this from big athletes, now they have entire fandoms worth of people, and particularly with college athletes, because all the fans are out of their fucking minds. You have all these insane people that will believe their favorite player before they believe you. And, you know, 
Like, you know, to them, it's not worth it. It would cause more issue than in their lives than whatever the issue was, even if the issue was bad. Yeah. And they blame themselves for letting it happen and the other, you know, the other, the other things. And nobody will believe them and nothing will get done. So why bother? Is a, is a part of that, too. And, you know, however sad it is for, for the victims, that's just kind of how it is. So I can imagine if that's the case for a local incident, you know, I can imagine how that would be, excuse me, with a national incident. So, but that's my, that's my kind of thoughts on that. Well, and, and these are very valid points because this is what we touched on, too. I mean, the good thing is, you know, a lot of people were bitching about, well, why is this a civil suit and not a criminal suit yet? Well, because as we talked about, it's he said, she said right now. There isn't as much evidence as much. And if the thing with him deleting messages is true, then not going for the criminal charges is probably the best move right now. Um well, but here's there the other are... thing too. If you had a camera on him assaulting a woman, then you could go for criminal. But you, I, you can only go civil. Yeah, um, there are a lot of other factors in too. I mean, we're talking about him crossing state lines and doing this now. Um, how does that? You know how how long does this go back? I mean, like you said, if D one schools, smaller D one schools. We'll let this go by, and we're talking about someone who won a national championship against Alabama. <laughs> in a uh, massive ACC program? In a massive ACC program, nonetheless, I would actually believe that the, the whole athletic program probably covered this up and probably helped. I mean, there's a lot to consider here that I would say makes, makes a lot of sense. The problem is, like you said, there are a lot of people because, okay, is this their favorite player? Yes. I can understand if, if you're still hit by this and, and not still believing to some degree because this is completely the opposite of what we've known for him since he's been a professional. At and that's same... going to be the other problem is his public image is so clean. Yeah, but, but then again, it, it also goes into... If this were, what was it we talked about? We're not saying, like, we're not believing victims. I think what we said was, if we're talking about maybe two or three people, it's a different story. Yep. I think we both, we always say, you know, we want to listen to everyone, but we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think after this SI article, I think there's much more we're not hearing. And... I really give guys like Mike Florio credit. Uh, if you listen to Mike Florio or you've read any of his stuff, you know he works in law. Uh, his conversation with Chris Sims this past Tuesday was really good. And he said, if Watson wants to stop this now, he, his lawyer, him and his lawyer should say, okay, we got to stop this now because it's going to continue to get worse the more he doesn't. And people can say, well, it's a, why isn't the lawyer or uh, the guy who's prosecuting him, you know, why isn't he turning stuff over to police? Do, if you want to hear an argument for dumbest theory of the week, you just have to listen to that. <laughs> I mean, 
what do we know about cops and sexual assault and how they mm-hmm. handle it? You can't trust them. I wouldn't want to go to them either. That's and the fact that people really think uh, with Watson wanting to cooperate with them, you know, that's that's a valid thing that he's innocent. No, no, that's that's not how any of this works. <laughs> I. It, it really boggles my mind, but the, this definitely shows that things are going to get worse before they get better. And Mike, uh, I think we've we've spent a good amount of time on this. Um, there's a lot more football stuff going on. This has just been a very major topic throughout the week. Uh, I saw something the other, I think it was yesterday or Wednesday. Uh, yeah, no, it was yesterday because it was April Fool's Day, and I looked it up, and it turns out, oh, it's not an April Fool's story. Uh, the Spanos family is $353 million in debt <laughs> with the Los Angeles Chargers. And Could not have happened to a worse bunch of people. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they absolutely deserve this. I think uh, if the Chargers go belly up, it's because... Yeah, yeah, if they go belly up, it's good. Um, but here's something that I think should be addressed. So earlier in the week, Dan Snyder has full shares of the Washington football team. That was a unanimous approval. Yeah, that was Bad. a unanimous approval by all the other owners. Unanimous. And not unanimous, unanimous. Unanimous. <laughs> um all 31 owners voted for it i gotta ask you is there the possibility that because the debt is going to keep going higher we're we're talking about a franchise that's taking a heavy amount of losses now um what besides you know forcing the spanos family to sell because that's that right now that's an internal family problem they're trying to figure out. Um, besides forcing them to sell, what do you do with this team? Do you move it back to San Diego? Do you, do you move it somewhere else? Do you even disband them? No, I don't think you can do SPS. I mean, they have scorned San Diego so badly, the only way they could go back would be with new ownership, which I'm totally good with, by the way. Um, let's fuck them. Uh Fuck them and the fucking uh, what's a what's the family that moved the Rams out? Uh, the Cronkies. There you go. Fuck the Cronkies and the fucking Spanoses. Fuck both LA ownerships. In my opinion, fuck them. Um, but the thing that I hate, Minkley, you know what I hate about what major owner does something bad. Their punishment is getting two billion dollars. Or whatever a pro football or basketball team is worth. Like, I hate that. Like, oh, you did something bad. We're going to make you sell the team. Oh, we made you make $3 billion. We're punishing you. Like, they should literally just steal the team for nothing. I wish. That I, I think this is a really good conversation starter. Because, remember at the time, it was... The fans and the city of San Diego, it it was they couldn't afford a new stadium. And the Spanos family was really pushing this. And the billionaires didn't want to pay for it. I don't know what the Spanos is worth. I really don't. Um, 
but but I'm just but let's go with you that they're billionaires on this. Um, so let's say, you know, if if you if you take it back, right? Mm-hmm. Like if if you just take it back, they don't get a penny from it. Who actually should own this team? You would then have somebody buy it from the league. Okay. See, because I think, you know, we kind of forget that you you can't publicly own a team anymore, but it's like, I, I well, feel the, the Packers are. Well, the Packers are, but that's grandfathered in. You can't do that nowadays. Um, you know, I'm trying to, I'm actually trying to think, who would actually own this damn team? Anyone. Because, because with that much money do you think they should move i mean where do you think they should no they just did yeah but see that that's kind of the problem i have it's like yeah they move but it's not working out so do you move again here's the thing yes it's not working out minkley um it just cost you a billion dollars to move the team and you have all these new facilities, why would you then spend another billion dollars three years later? That's my thing. Now, they didn't spend as much because they're living in the Rams' home, but unless you got some stupid city to do it for you, why would you? And by the way... By the way, and, and I don't, you know, I, Minkley, I very often give my public fuck you to the NCAA. <laughs> hey, mayors of public cities, stop spending your fucking taxpayer money on teams that don't fucking make you that money back, you fucking idiots. All right, go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Minkley, keep going. Well, I mean, where's the lie in that? I mean, there is absolutely no reason why. And even stadiums that aren't even that old, having to build new stadiums uh, like and the taxpayers pay for it. For mo- yeah, for a good part of it. I mean, and, and what does it really gain them? I mean, you know, if we're talking, uh, I'll be honest. If we're talking about an older stadium like Soldier Field or the Superdome, I feel like there has to be conversations about. Okay, who does pay for it? Because well, well, that would be the city. Well, if the Bears wanted a new one, they would have to do it. But if they wanted a new Soldier Field, the city would have to do it because the city owns Soldier Field. Right. That's why I'm saying. I mean, a lot of these older stadiums, like Soldier Field, or I don't know what it is like in Green Bay with Lambeau, um, or even the like the Super. Yeah. I mean, there have there has to be those conversations about okay, well, how do we how do we pay for this? Yeah. But when you're talking about you know Atlanta or Minnesota wants a new stadium because of factor X, um, you know you, you kind of have to let the people who own the damn thing like pay for it a lot more. Yeah, just just throwing that out there. Or look at the Rangers who got a new who got a new stadium. The Texas yeah. Rangers in baseball, or the Atlanta. Uh, uh, SunTrust is what it is now. Oh God, what was it? Or was it SunTrust then? 
The Braves old park was built in like 94. <laughs> the Rangers was same thing. That park in Arlington was built like not even like that that park in Arlington that they just replaced with a big new stadium like last year or maybe it was 2 years ago. That old fucking building was 15 years old. And they just replaced it. And then you have goddamn Atlanta fucking robbing Cobb County and getting a new stadium. But the old one was like 20 years old. Like, I could, you could say whatever it is about Wrigley and being a dump. At least the Cubs have held on to it. I think they need to tear Wrigley down and build something new because it, it's time. As iconic as it is, or maybe you can leave it up to be a museum. There's enough cub idiots that would go there that you could op- leave it open. But t- time for a new cub stadium. But at least they got 100 years out of it. The White Sox have done renovations. They're going to get the time out of Comiskey. You got fucking franchise throwing stadiums out after 20 years. The Vikings, I did understand because it's like, well, our roof collapsed. And this thing is kind of old. So, we might not want a roof to collapse when there's people here. Maybe we should just get a new stadium instead of putting a new roof on this thing. And, you know, like, there's problems with the stadium. And, okay, maybe we need to do this. And then you have other things like the poor athletics and Raiders before they moved that were in just the worst piece of shit. Like, I feel like instead of the Atlanta Braves getting a new stadium... They should have t- gotten um, a quarter of whatever they were going to spend on their new stadium taken away by baseball and put it into the get the athletics out of a place where the sewers leak more than the team scores stadium. Like, get them out of there. Just my, my, my wealth sharing opinion. I, I get it. I do. Um, it, it just brings up an interesting conversation of what do you do? Like, if you strip this family's power away. And I, I do feel at this point when you're talking about uh, hundreds of billions of dollars that maybe it's start, we should start to take these teams away from people. But you can't because they're private businesses owned by the people, not the league. Well, it, but it has to be voted by the league, too. Yeah, that's see, that, that's the problem is, like, if it was, like, true, like, if it was, like, a, a Burger King franchise, I think the corporate could do that, depending on how it was written. But these are, like, the teams are the owners, and it's just that they play in the league. Now, I think an interesting thing to do and would be to look in, and you couldn't do this because of TV rights, an interesting thing to do, Justin, how about kicking the team out of the league? That's very interesting. I want to hear why this is your suggestion. So if you kick, let's say it's the Chargers, right? Yeah. If you kick the Chargers out of the league, all the players leave, all the staff leave for new jobs, and all you have is the Spanos family and their asset that no longer has an NFL schedule, and no longer has any players very shortly because all those players are part of the NFLPA, and unless they want to 
not play in the players union, they will be gone. So like, it's like um, what baseball just did to the minor league teams, except on a billion dollar scale, right? Ah. The Burlington bees have to now sign their own players more than they did before because they were supplied by baseball. Now they have to sign their own players. If you did that to the chargers, they would have to sign their own players and find some league to play in. And the NFL is such a big, is such a big thing. Like even if you went into the arena football league or whatever, and just slapped, uh, you know, played in the same stadium because the Rams own it, not the NFL, you know, whatever. Even if you somehow found another league, the the um, asset value would go down so so much that, like, the team would become worth half or even a quarter of what it was. Um, also, even without kicking the team out of the league and actually removing a team from the schedule and fucking with the broadcasting rights and the player association and all that kind of stuff, if you said, we will banish you from the league, the players association is going to walk out on you, you know, the unions are, you know, you're, you know, you're going to be in a free and independent franchise, we're just going to kick you out of the league. Because we can do that. Here's the votes. You're out of the NFL. You know, if there was a new owner of the San Diego Chargers or the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, we would consider it. But the current form Chargers are are not for us. Then. Now, there would be like, well, you know, could Justin Herbert get out of his contract because he's contracted to the team? But there could be some you know, could be some union lawyer thing to get them out of that. But anyway, um, if you if you do that deal, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, so you basically force them to sell. If they want to, if the Chargers want to play again, they need a new owner. So they'd be forcing them to sell. But they would have literally negative, like they would have less than zero leverage to get any kind of fair value price because basically you would single-handedly take the value of that business from like $2 billion to something whose income is less than its expenses, like something that would be going into bankruptcy. So you turned it from a, a huge asset into a garbage asset and you would make them sell for way less than if you just said, all right, just sell your NFL team. You would make them, you would be effectively forcing them to sell for a whole hell of a lot of money less because the asset would be so little value. Somebody else, and, and it would be a unique situation because the Punisher would be the Spanos family. Um, in the ideal thing that I'm just like throwing this off the top of my head, the punished would be the Spanos family because then like whatever new owners you get, you would approve of them and welcome them back into the league. So there's no barrier. You don't even have to miss chargers, you know, chargers games in the schedule. It would just be like, there's just a month where the team doesn't really exist. Now that would hurt them long term. 
but you wouldn't have too much injured to the franchise. You would more have injured to the owner because instead of selling the team for a billion dollars, they sold them for $800 million or, you know, 600 million or whatever. You still got $600 million, but you still crippled that business. Now it's like, oh my God, you know, I'm going like, if I keep this, like, it's kind of crude in a way because it does basically put them in the situation of if I don't sell this team, I'm going to go bankrupt instantly because of stadium upkeeps and stuff like that. And if for whatever reason they decided to just ignore what you said, you know, like just ignore it all. Well, then whenever they died or whatever, you would have a team that is completely worthless and all of a sudden from the hundred million or whatever they bought, it's all of a sudden a net loss. And these are businessmen more than their fans. You know, these aren't founding franchise people. You know, these are businessmen. Yeah. So they wouldn't do that. So short of redoing the rules so that you can just pull teams from people at will or for whatever reason, that would be the next best thing would be throw them out of the league let them back in at a new ownership group. If you approve the say ownerships come to us, if we approve you, you will get back into the national football league. But then from that perspective of the person that is buying that, then they're like, Oh my God, I'm going to get this $2 billion asset for 800 million because it's now almost completely worthless because it's tangible value is nothing. Because they have no league, no team, no players, no coaches, and all these upkeeping costs. But if I buy them, I can buy those, you know, the teams and the players and the, you know, I can buy all of this. And of course, you could say, but that would make every Chargers player a free agent. Well, you could probably do something in the collective bargaining agreement that says if a if a team is in the National Football League um, and they vacate the league and then return within 60 days, the um, the players go back or something. You you could do something like that on on as agreed to, on as previously agreed to contracts because that would be a thing where like it would be like so you're on the team or you're in the NFLPA. Like, that would be a union versus team battle. And maybe the deals would stick with the team until a certain point when their being in the NFLPA is more than them being in the team. Maybe that takes time. I don't know. But anyway, um, I think that would be a better way to do it. There's got to be some way to not reward these fucking garbage owners with $2 billion. <laughs> it's basically what I've just spitballed over the last 20 minutes. Yeah, that seems legit. Um, so yeah, I got. I actually have nothing outside of that. I think you covered that very well. This is something you usually uh, know what you're talking about. Uh, other NFL stuff that I'm trying to think of that's very valid. Uh, of course, we have the Pro Day stuff, the Scouting Combine. A uh, lot of people like Zach Wilson throwing. It's pro day. Don't buy any of it. 
I, I know. If they don't complete 90% of the presses on Pro Day, they're garbage. <laughs> no, literally. It's tailor-made to them. If you don't complete 90% of your shit on Pro Day, you're trash. If I was a quarterback, I wouldn't do a Pro Day. Because if I just so happen to underthrow a ball, that is going to get more attention than any throw I make. If, if I was a first-round quarterback or anything, I would not go to the combine, and I would not do a pro day. Because all that does is hurt me. There is so much bigger of a chance that you lose $20 million than gain $20 million if you're already a first-rounder. Now, if you're a wide receiver and you can want a 4 3 and your, you know, your agent's feeler says you're going in the fourth round, you absolutely run the combine because then you make $10 million. Hi, John Ross. How are you? <laughs> Not an insult to John Ross. I'm just saying. No, I, and, and the thing is, we do think of John Ross in that situation. Or, hi, DK Metcalf. Now they wound up being right. But how much did the combine explode his stock? Quite a bit. And he was still a lower pick. He wasn't no top 10 pick. So, yeah, no, I, I, I would never, ever, ever. If I was Justin Fields, I wouldn't go anywhere near the combine or the pro day. But he's got smarter advisors than me. So, you know, I hope he knows, you know, they know what they're doing. I'm not saying they don't. But me personally, from what I, from what I've seen, I would not go anywhere near any of that stuff if I was already in the first round. Now, if I'm a second rounder and I'm trying to get to that first round, I would. Or if I'm trying to get drafted, I would because maybe I have a great day on the bench press and somebody sees me as a high-strength lineman and I get drafted. Yeah. Or somebody sees me as really fast and drafts me in raw athleticism. But outside of that, I don't think the combine helps you. I think it hurts you. You know, more than it helps you. I I do have a question to ask you about this, because, you know, we're not really going to discuss any draft stuff, but I do find this interesting. We talked about the Niners uh, moving up to where the Dolphins are, and I have a question for you about one of the teams in this draft. So we probably assume that uh, Sam Darnold is probably going to move on from the Jets. He shouldn't, but that's the reality. So the first three picks are probably going to be quarterbacks. And the fourth one is the Atlanta Falcons pick. Now, here's the thing, Mike. I'm confused on what the Falcons do here because you you have a lot of salary cap still. You lost Alex Mack to the Niners in free agency. Matt Ryan's up there in age, and I think he should retire. Um, But you have a lot of needs on defense and you, especially in that secondary, you probably could get a linebacker or some pass rush help. Um, what do the Falcons do? Devonta Smith. No, you see, the thing is, it's not wide receiver. That's the why. That's why I'm looking at this as like you can't really say wide receiver, but yeah, I can. I think I can. Why the okay? Take Devontae Smith in the wide receiver part. I mean, actually address the needs, right? The first three picks in the draft are quarterbacks, right? Yep. What If you take the wide receiver part out of it, who do the Falcons actually take? 
past that, I don't know. But here's my thing on the receiver for Atlanta. You have Matt Ryan, who is still a at least good quarterback at the end of his career. You have something on defense, not incredible things, but that unit had talent a, a couple of years ago. So the New Orleans is going down. Carolina is already down. Tampa Bay is a bunch of old men. You have one more chance at doing something. If you take a generational receiver, you have a number one for when Julio leaves. And and I don't think Atlanta teams are going to quit passing the ball because Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are gone. You get a bona fide number one receiver for when Julio leaves. You have a bona fide pair next to Julio for when they are there. It helps because, like, look at the Bears. Even if they got a good quarterback, they had no skill position players. You would still have a good unit on the outside of the offense. You could get a quarterback out of free agency, plug it in. And I think he is, if, if it's not a quarterback, and if you're at number four, unless you already have a QB who is injured, if you are at number four, you need the best player on the board who can make the biggest impact on your team. That is Devontae Smith. So if he doesn't go to New York, if he's not a Jet, then he should be a Falcon. You can address a center in the second round. You can address the defense throughout the draft and next year. It's not going to be every, it's not every day, it's not every season that he comes around. Um, I, I, by the way, would also hear, um, Jamar Chase. What, what do you think would, would happen if say, okay, cause it's probably going to be Lawrence field slash Wilson, but what if one of those quarterbacks is available because the Niners take Mac Jones? I mean, God, do you, why the hell would anybody take Mac Jones? Um, well, I mean, the Shan- Kyle Shanahan looks to be enamored with him, but I, I mean, like, if, I mean, if Zach Wilson's still on the board or Trey Lance, do you, do you say I think Trey Lance fits Atlanta? I think, um, I think fields would though. I don't know what B I'm not saying Wilson because I don't know. Fuck. I don't know. Dick all of shit about Zach Wilson. You know why? Because <laughs> he plays at BYU. I don't know what BYU's offense is. I'll get more of a – after I watch game tape and we start talking about draft, then maybe I'll come back and say, hey, hey you know what, that Zuck Wilson kid, you know, maybe Atlanta should take him. Um, I don't know dick all of shit because I don't watch BYU fucking football. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would either say if you're Atlanta, you either go offensive line to try and stretch out your window and get a cornerstone or you go a skill position and try and get a cornerstone because if you look at any mock, there's not a lot of defense. This is an offensive draft. Yeah. This is an offensive draft and you need to, to play into that. Like the fact that Devonta Smith 
is is projected by some to go pick 12 to Philly should tell you how many good receivers there are in this draft. And that you should look to get one of them because this is a first round where you could get a serious, legitimate cornerstone receiver. A, a fran- like There might just be multiple franchise-defining receivers in this draft. Two in particular between um, Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith. So, yeah, I actually say that Atlanta should take the best player available, which at four, I feel like would be Devontae. Would you, see, if you take Devontae, would you actually consider trading Julio Jones? No, I wouldn't trade Julio Jones. I'd stick them next to each other. I'd stick them two in the same offense. I would not. I wouldn't take him as a successor to Julio until Julio leaves. I would take him as a number two for now and then and then when Julio's ready. Um, I wouldn't trade Julio. I, like, I wouldn't get out of that asset to promote this asset. I think they work well together. Now, if you took... Um, if you took, like, if Justin Fields is still there at four and you took Justin Fields... Then the Bears go ring, 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 telephone, telephone. Hey, 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 it's Ryan Pace. Um, so um, how about we give you our first and you give us that Matt Ryan guy. Then you do that. Start the rookie, get the first address your defense in your offensive line or whatever, you know. You do that deal. But I think that would be the only way you take a first-round asset. You take a, uh, the first-rounder that Atlanta takes winds up being they trade the old guy that they replace. Would be if it's a quarterback and you can get a first out of Matt Ryan. By the way, you got a first out of Matt Stafford, so you might be able to get a first or more than a first out of Matt Ryan. That would be interesting. So, anyway... That's my piece, and we're rolling up on two hours, and I'm hungry. So, uh, Minkley, if you're ready to go, I'm ready to go. Yeah, actually, that was all I had NFL-wise today. So that is looks like to be uh, the rest of Sports Fixins today. Plugs on my end. Uh, Pro Talk is growing, everyone. You're up to almost 200 likes, and that is by April 2nd. I can't believe we've hit that amount already. <laughs> Wesley Woods and I should be able to drop our pot our recent podcast soon. I have written also on the jdsportscorner.wordpress account. The first half analysis of the NHL season is worth a wonderful read on what teams can improve on before the trade deadline or throughout the rest of the year if you're not doing so well. You should check that out. And, of course, I do run both the Pro Talk and Sports Fixes pages. Mike, how about you? No plugs, really, this week, uh, and that is because we had no recording of No Marks Allowed because I work six instead of five days this week. So, no No Marks Allowed podcast, and we aren't close enough to recruiting time for me to do the plug for BBE. So, I will say, everybody, have a wonderful, wonderful whatever day you're listening to this on. Happy baseball is back. No more days without baseball for like seven months, which is a great thing. 
everybody, wear your goddamn mask, get your motherfucking vaccine, don't storm the Capitol, have a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and a good night, and bye-bye, everybody.